0: Welcome everyone, glad you're here. Tonight we're going to be talking about the biology of belief, and by that, yes, you're right, we're going to be talking about how our thinking and our emotions actually affect our health. And so uh, we're going to find out how true belief, faith if you will, can be a curative sort of force in our lives. But before we get there, I want to talk about the biology of stressed out first, I think it will represent a nice counterpoint, and I think perhaps in some ways we can all identify with it. And I'm gonna use an illustration from my dark past. Um, So everyone here uh, was a teenager at one point or other, and I have to confess, I was not maybe the best teenager on the planet. And in particular, uh, once I had gotten through driver's ed and my parents were allowing me to use the car, I did tend, and those of you who maybe have teenagers, I swear, I'm the only one. Your children would never do what I'm going to describe. But one night, I borrowed the car, uh, wink, wink, to go over and study with a friend. Wink, wink. And so about 10 o'clock at night, my mother called my friend's mother to just check in and see how our studying was going. And, um, well, it all kind of went downhill from there. Uh, let me just say that I didn't get home until 1 o'clock. And uh, both of my parents were standing on the porch waiting for me. <laughs> and I could see the look really of anger, but also of terror, in a way, on my mom's face. And I remember one of the first, not the first, but one of the first statements she made to me was, I was worried sick. And literally about midnight, I think she had, uh, well, I lived in a small town, Newport, Oregon. And I think by midnight, she had actually called the local hospital to see if I had been there. And she had called. Well, actually, the sheriff lived across the street for us. It really was a small town. And, and she was right over there. You know, has anyone reported, you know, in the license plate and all that stuff? And, oh, my God, was she mad. But she was literally sick. The next day, I had checked in with my father a little bit. He was being a little more angry but stoic. Um, That was how our household worked. Anyway, dad was angry and stoic, and mom was angry and full of words. (laughs) And the next day, I checked in a little bit with my dad, and he said, you know, she really was sick. She actually threw up. She got so upset and so worried. Now, those of you out here in the healing field, do do we have any nurses or, or nurse practitioners here tonight? A couple of you. Do you, so, so, correct me if, if I'm off base here, but when you become that worried, what goes on in your body? Any Any thoughts? okay, elevated heart rate uh, you're released, yes, exactly, that whole stress response kind of thing, so you're releasing uh, cortisol, you're releasing adrenaline, your blood pressure goes up, right. We can, I mean, it isn't just a figure of speech to say that I got worried sick or I got so upset I was sick. We really do make ourselves, to a degree, sick because we're engaging that flight or fight response. You know, the the body is amping us up to, well, well, I don't know, maybe the car is overturned in the driveway and my mom with one hand, would lift it up. I mean, there have been reports of nearly superhuman strength where people have used that level of cortisol and adrenaline and the tightening of their breath and the, and the engaging of their muscles to do amazing things to race to the aid of saving people that they care about or even uh, even their own health, right? And so that's what was going on in my mom right then. And then, of course. You know shortly after after uh, she started figuring out some punishments her uh, her uh, stress levels started <laughs> being reduced and, and and she was back to normal but i want to I want to suggest to you that very often we ramp it up and just keep it out there now some of you maybe have what are considered some of the uh, stressful jobs or in relationships with the uh, stressful components to it. Um, sometimes we find ourselves in stressful situations with neighbors or at work or in committees we're on or, or arrangements of different kinds of people that are stressful to us. Um, sometimes it's our finances that cause a level of stress in our lives or, or things that are going on in situations and the trouble with this is it can Elevate those same kinds of, uh, uh, of physiological effects in our body, and we're really not going to do anything about it. It's as though we're, you know, we're being hunted down, or it's as though, you know, someone we love is under a car somewhere, and we we have those intense feelings, we have that stressed-out nature, but is it really gonna? take care of itself immediately you see it it, when we're in a job if there is that feeling of stress all the time if we're in a relationship where that sense of being stressed out or worried exists all the time it's as though we ramp up and never really get to come down again And i got to tell you, there's some real bad news here. Our body is finely tuned to use that flight or fight response in the short term. It's there for a reason. But if we keep it ramped up, it's a short-term solution not a long-term solution, and so in the long run, we can look forward at. Have you, has everyone familiar with the concept of burning your candle at both ends? Is that a -- I know that was a phrase from you know maybe 10 years ago. Do we still kind of kind of understand that one? The idea is, well, I, I, I'm so busy doing stuff. It's like I've taken a candle, lit both ends, and of course, what happens if you light both ends of a candle? You get twice as much light. Twice as much energy is being expanded. But what happens? Yeah. And so if we begin doing that to our own bodies by... By amping up that level of activity, by amping up that level of stress, by allowing the cortisol and the, um, you know, the different cocktails going around in our body to combat stress and to uh, allow ourselves maybe higher levels of activity and less sleep and all of those kinds of things, it's as though we're literally burning both ends of our own candle and we can start expecting health problems to crop up. All right, now I, want, now I want to start talking about the idea of belief and where some of this stuff comes from. And I want to start out by relying on an old friend of mine, Louise Hay. Uh, is everyone here familiar with You Can Heal Your Life? I, I, I mean, I could bet $100 we've got copies of it down in the bookstore here. So if any of you are so moved, I'm sure they would sell you one. But I want to quote something from just from the beginning of this. Uh, this is in her introduction. And she says, Resentment, criticism, Fear and stress cause more problems than anything else. These things cause the major problems in our bodies and in our lives. These feelings... Oh, and you're going to hate this part. These feelings come from blaming others and situations outside yourself. They come from not taking responsibility for our own experiences. You see, if we're all responsible for everything in our lives, then there's no one to blame. Whatever is happening out there is only a mirror of our own inner thinking and emotions. Now, I'm not condoning other people's poor behavior, but it is our beliefs that attract people who will treat us poorly following are some of the results of patterns that manifest on the physical level resentments that are held can eat away at the body and even become the disease we call cancer criticism is a permanent habit excuse me criticism as a permanent habit can often lead to arthritis in the body guilt always looks for punishment and punishment causes pain Fear and the tension it produces, worry, they can create things like baldness, ulcers, and even sore feet. I have found that forgiving and releasing resentments and living a stress free life will dissolve even cancer. While this may sound simplistic, I have seen and experienced it working. Well, now, this book, of course, published many years ago, and at the time, people kind of regarded this as pretty woo woo right? In fact, if you look up in the back, she'll, she has places where you can look up, you know, swollen arches, and it will say something like that's related to anger and burning up, and then there'll be a little affirmation that goes with it. And, and although many of us, I think, took kind of comfort in this, we almost saw it as a as an intuitive healing guide, but maybe a little divorced from Western medicine, maybe a little bit on that what do I want to say? Woo-woo side. Well, i got to tell you, science has finally caught up with Louise Hay. And there are good studies being done right now showing that not only do thoughts become things, one of the kind of trademarks of what we teach in the science of mind as a philosophy, our body is one of those things that our thoughts and our emotions, of course, have a direct bearing on our body. And so the, the simple example of my mom being upset for no good reason right she went through that stress response even though i was safe and fine and out drinking (laughs) okay i owned up to it similarly when the stress response is not mitigated when we don't come down off of it our thoughts and our feelings are specifically causing our bodies to wear out Allowing our uh, defensive mechanisms to break down. Really, in a sense, almost welcoming in uh, conditions and lifestyle diseases and all myriads of troubles later on. And you might say, well, I thought a lot of that stuff was just based on genetics. And interestingly enough, you're both correct and you're wrong. The new field of epigenetics is begun to... Question some of our ideas of what we believe we've inherited from our parents and grandparents and also really singed up Louise Hay's idea of it's more our thinking, it's more our choices, that influence our health. So uh, you're gonna get, in fact, this article is entitled, a super brief and basic explanation of epigenetics for total beginners, I love it. At least they didn't use the word dummy, I felt a little better for that. So first of all, we have to get caught up just a little bit on what genetics is. So our cells are fundamental working units of every human being. All of the instructions required to direct their activities and health, the actual activities and health of the cell are contained within the DNA of the cells themselves. Okay. There are four fundamental types of bases that comprise DNA, and the sequence or order of those bases is what determines our life instructions. Literally, the sequence in which those directions are followed indicate whether the cell's living, whether it's reproducing, whether it's dying, etc. All right. Within... 13, or excuse me, within the 3 billion bases that exist within our body, there are about 20,000 genes. Genes are the specific sequences of those bases that provide the instructions on how to make important proteins. And the proteins, of course, are the building blocks of the cells themselves. So in order for cells to replicate, in order for cells to grow and so on, they have to follow the directions in the DNA in a certain sequence. Okay, now you know everything you need to know about genetics, so that's cool. And what we used to believe is those sequences, those abilities and limitations, are just handed down. So whether it's Cassandra or me or whatever, I would inherit the genes from, like, mom and dad or at least grandparents uh, around heart disease and other things. They would simply be thought of as something kind of built into us. And, and most of us my age or a little older were probably really used to, when you went to the doctor... Not only did they ask you about how you were feeling, didn't they ask us about our parents? They had the idea that if our parents had, you know, cardio disease, if, if our parents, uh, you know, suffered from edema as, a, as an elderly person, if our, if our father had this condition or our mother had that condition, well, we're likely to have it too based on the idea just of genetics. Okay, that pretty much now blown out of the water and I'll tell you why. Epigenetics controls how the genes are turned on and off. So even if I have the genes that would uh, maybe give me type two diabetes later in life, they don't have to be turned on. Even though from my parents, maybe I got the genes for certain characteristics of being overweight or being too thin or, um, I don't know, living a long life or living a short life. Those genes are not all just turned on all the time. There are mechanisms, and oh my gosh, are you going to be amazed what the mechanisms are, for turning them on and turning them off. It is our thinking, our emotions, and our choices that turn, this is the epigenetics, that turn on and turn off those genes. So for example, fairly well concluded, the AMA just came out with a a fairly comprehensive study of type two diabetes. Turns out, genetically, close to half of the people in the United States have the genes that would indicate we're likely to have type 2 diabetes as we get older, like close to half of us. Why don't half of us, if we have that genetic capability, why aren't we that way? It's the choices we make. It's the thoughts and emotions that we have. People who live stressful life are much more apt to have those particular genes express turned on out in the world and also people who have bad eating habits that often go with stress in fact let me just get a show of hands here anyone here after a stressful day just feel kind of an ice cream evening coming on <laughs> all right yeah yeah so we're in the same boat there right <laughs> you know and embarrassingly what i have learned is That actually, if we're in that half of the group that has that propensity, that genetic likelihood of type 2 diabetes anyway, those kinds of lifestyles where stress is ramped up and stays up there, in combination with us liking our little bit of ice cream as kind of a comfort food, yikes. Yeah, we've done it to ourselves we can't blame it on the way that our our parents experience their lives it's not as easy as just the genetics it's literally our thinking our actions and our choices combined with our emotional import how we how we interpret all that that is expressing those genes oh. How do we move on? I think it's time for a joke. I've, I've, uh, I think I've, you know, too much negativity. Let's move on. So on to the joke. So a university graduate student is applying for a part-time job to help with his course fees. He tries for a number of jobs, but really to no avail. He finally applies to work in a supermarket and gets the job. So the first day, the manager tells him to sweep the floor. Well, the graduate student is dumbfounded. He asked the manager, hey, don't you know that I have several college degrees already? I'm studying for my doctorate in biology. After seven years of higher education, you're honestly going to ask me to to sweep the floor? The manager said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. That's not really fair now, is it? Here, pass me the broom, and I'll show you how to sweep the floor. (laughs) And see, I I think that we are used to the idea that we don't need more education on how to treat ourselves well. I think that we are so used to operating our bodies unconsciously, just the way that we have up until right now, that some of the information I'm trying to give you tonight, you're balking at. You're thinking, well, well, okay, A, I'm not sure that he's right, and b it's one thing to recognize that my stress level is bad for my health and it's another thing just to say you know i'm not stressed out anymore like how what am i supposed to do with that right so i want to give us some hints if you will for moving forward, and I'm gonna go back, actually, to Louise Hay, because what I know about epigenetics, and it's clearly mentioned in the literature, is that when the genes have been turned on or turned off, we can reverse those by reducing some of the mental states, some of the choices and some of the emotions that cause them to begin with. So it isn't a one-way street. We may have stressed ourselves into a bad physical condition, but we can de-stress ourselves out of it. And I want to do just a couple things because it's getting back to Louise Hay again. And she says, she claims that it's our stress level, it's our resentments, it's our bitterness, it's having shame in our hearts. And what I know is all of those, one by one, we can take a look at. And so I'd like you for a moment to maybe start with the idea of resentments. Now, if you look that up in Louise Hayes, she says that's one of those things that causes cancer. And by that, with this new information, what I, what I gather is by harboring resentments, maybe someone who's bothered you, and really that sense of outrage and that hatred or resentment is just holed up in your heart. And whenever you think of that person or you think of that situation, that, that sense of anger and outrage is still there. What that's doing is literally turning on some of the genes that will allow cancer to take hold in our bodies. And so similarly to the little meditation we did earlier, did you notice how I slipped in at one point to allow someone into your bubble of love and healing energy, someone that you had some issues with? Yeah, I snuck it in. And I actually looked out, and a couple of you little frowns <laughs> went, <laughs> went on your mouths. And I'm going to suggest that actually that's curative, that you were in the process of stopping, preventing, or reversing illness in yourself by allowing your bubble of love to be extended to other people. Well, I'm running out of time here. I'd like everybody to stand for a minute. I want to show you another spiritual practice that we might do around this idea of healing. And then then I'll wrap us up. It's called a raising and praising prayer. Has anyone here done that before? Is that something a few, I see a couple of practitioners raising their hands. So the idea is that we are going to take some people into our lives that maybe we have difficulties with, and we're simply going to raise them and praise them. It doesn't mean we have to agree with what they did that caused us harm or hurt, we're simply going to acknowledge that, that agape feeling of this too is one of God's, uh, God's chosen people, one of the <laughs> beloved. And we're going to begin releasing our resentment. We're going to be bringing our cortisol levels down again. We're going to begin embracing them in the light of love. And to do that, we're going to do something really simple. We're going to raise them We're going to praise them in the name of love. And so let's take, first of all, someone uh, close to us. Let's think about for a moment someone that we already love and, and adore. Maybe it's a partner. Maybe it's a best friend. In fact, let's just call it generically our family. So I raise my family. I praise my family in the name of love. Let's say that everyone here maybe has a best friend. I raise my best friend. I praise my best friend in the name of love. Do you see where I'm going? So now, and each one of you is going to have a different name here. Let's pick someone that we have just a little bit of trouble with someone who maybe has caused us some harm in the past, someone where when you think of them or that situation, you can feel that little bit of heat or fear, right? So I raise my stepfather, I praise my stepfather in the name of love. So you now have another spiritual practice for your toolbox. And you know what? These resentments can linger for years and years and years. And what you're doing is you're just invited. You can go ahead and, and, and remain seated again. And I'll wrap up here with a quote and a prayer. But, but when we hold on to resentments, when those stress levels stay high... We're actually inviting disease into our lives. It's been proven scientifically. Um, you know, it's been, been proven in the marvelously woo woo sense by, uh, by Louise Hay and some 5,000 of people who came to see her. She, she, you know, she, her intuition wasn't just she sat in a room and dreamed this all up, it was really through the study of 20 years of practice that she uh, had the intuition to actually connect some of these thought patterns with specific diseases. A, A marvelous body of work. Anyway, don't allow yourself to harbor resentments, fear, shame, all of those negative things. When they find a way to insinuate themselves into your lives, you are on a path of destruction maybe without not even knowing it so meditation can help reduce the stress prayer can help reduce the stress little tricks and tools like expanding your sense of love in the world including people maybe who have given you trouble raising and praising prayers whatever you can do to free up your heart is essential I'm going to close tonight with a quote from um, Ernest Holmes. This is out of the Science of Mind textbook. Ernest, of course, the founder of the Science of Mind. He says, We understand that health is a mental as well as a physical state. We seek to heal our mentalities, knowing that to the degree in which we are successful, we shall also be healing our bodies. We know, too, that the degree in which we are able to see ourselves as whole and as perfect, we will be. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one goodness. It is this thing that I call God, and I know that that goodness extends to all of humanity, that in God's eyes, we are all perfect in God's eyes, we, we all are blessed with love and joy and peace. In God's eye, each of us, a divine center of intelligence. And so I know this means me. I know that, that God doesn't play favorites, that I too am part of the beloved, as is everyone. That the love of God is mine to have and to share The joy of God is mine to experience. The peace and perfection of God is here working as me and through me, including my own body, that as I love myself, as I give away any stress and trouble, as I allow resentments to disappear, that divine template of perfection is mine to enjoy. Good health, long life. It is mine. To enjoy, And so for each person in this room, I, I claim that willingness to begin opening your hearts ever further, letting go of resentments, allowing stress to just go over the top of you, truly planning a life to be filled with love, with joy and peace. That's what I know. That's what I claim, a willingness for each person in this room to experience love, To extend that hand in forgiveness. To be willing to take ownership for our feelings and our situation. And yes, even personal responsibility for our health. For this I'm grateful. I'm grateful that this power and presence of God is available to us all. I'm grateful for the willingness of of the people in this room to take ownership of our lives. Grateful, grateful for this sweet, sweet life. And in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I simply let it be, and together we all say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here tonight. So glad you were here.